You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. All right, take your Bible and turn to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to start out in chapter 11. So I mentioned earlier, last week I preached on the subject or the doctrine of sanctification and how God has called us to live a holy life for His glory and for His pleasure. We also discovered in that message that it is absolutely impossible to live a sanctified life without embracing God's commandments and seeking to live those out in our lives. Now we want to come back to that subject. I'm probably going to park on this issue for this month as we go into this next year because I believe it's so vitally important. But I entitled the message this morning, So What If I Choose Not to Obey? I'm sure we've all said that in our hearts or in our minds at one time or the other. So what if I choose not to obey? Look up here. Is there going to be any consequences? Well, let me answer that emphatically, yes. So I guess the message could be over right there. Don't get too excited because it's not. (laughs) But yes. But I think Satan is such an amazing deceiver that he will convince you that obedience of God will not bring blessing And that disobedience to God will not bring cursing. It's just the opposite of what the Bible says. But I believe he's been very successful in convincing us as believers that that is true. So let's look at what the Bible has to say here about sin and disobedience and the consequences of it. Beginning here in chapter 11 of the book of Deuteronomy, verse 27 and verse 28, it says, A blessing. Now, if I were to ask you the question, how many of you want to have God's fullest blessing upon your life, I hope that every hand would go up. Right? All right. How many of you want God's blessing on your life? Okay, I figured that. So this is how God tells us that we can get His blessing. A blessing if you obey the what? The what? Commandments. A blessing if you will obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse. How many of you here want to be cursed? Well, that was unanimous too. A curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I have commanded you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Now go over with me, if you would, to chapter 13. Going to look at just one through verse four. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but for time I, I absolutely cannot. But don't listen to anyone that would try to tell you you don't have to keep the commandments. If there arise among you a prophet, would say a preacher in this day, or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not what? Don't listen. Even if he's a preacher, 
even if he's one that says, I got a direct message from God for you. And then he does some miracle. Saying, look it, I did this amazing miracle, which proves this message that I have for you is from God. I want to tell you something, Satan can work some amazing so-called miracles. But he said, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God prove, approveth you to know whether ye will, and there's seven things here, watch this, whether ye will love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. They'll not be grievous for you to keep. Then he goes on, number two, and you shall walk after the Lord your God. Number three, you shall fear him or fear the consequences of your sin. Uh, number three, number four, to keep his commandments. Number five, to obey his voice. Number six, thou shalt serve him. And number seven, cleave unto him. So notice those seven things. Love him, walk after him, fear him, keep his commandments, obey his voice, serve him, and cleave to him with all of your heart. Now go over to chapter 28. Chapter 28. Look at verse 1, verse 2, and then just the first statement of verse 3. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments. Know that little word all is a big word, right? How many of his commandments? How many? Do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God shall set thee high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee. Saul said that's what you wanted. And overtake thee. You can't even get away from the blessings of God if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou what? Blessed shalt thou be. And then it goes on and on and on and on and on to talk about the blessings of God that will come upon your life. Now verse 15. But it shall come to pass if thou wilt not. So what if I choose not to obey? Will there be any consequences? But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou what? It's very interesting that, the, that, that then it goes on for the rest of the chapter to talk about the curses that will come upon you if you say, I'm not going to obey God. The Bible said, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Many people have said to me over the years when wanting to debate this issue of whether or not we should obey the commandments, because you hear a lot of preaching today, we're not under law, we're under grace, Right? How many have ever heard something like that? We're not under law, we're under grace. I'm thankful that I'm not under the curse of the law, the condemnation of the law, or the penalty of the law because I've been redeemed. But does that mean that we're not to obey the commandments? Well, let's see what Jesus said in the New Testament. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but what? What? Oh, you need... Well, you should know where I am. You should know your Bible well enough to know where I am. Did I give you the book of Matthew? Well, 
All right, chapter 5. Verse 17, I'm going to read through verse 20. Are you there? Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to... All right, you're there. For verily I say to you, till, till heaven and earth pass away. I don't think that's quite happened yet. Not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one one of the least commandments and teach men so, teach them to do so, or even by personal example, he shall be called what? Least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do, you purpose in your life to do the commandments, and teach them, more is caught than taught, the same shall be called, what? Great. How many of you want to be least in the kingdom? How many of you want to be great in the kingdom? Oh, come on, you all do. Get your hand up. I want the fullness of this blessing. By the way, the kingdom is forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Yeah, I want that forever blessing. Verse 20. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise, what? Enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot work your way into heaven by keeping the commandments. The only way your righteousness could possibly exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees who actually added additional laws to the law of God just to make sure they weren't breaking it, is to be cleansed by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The law does bring condemnation. It does bring guilt. Christ brought justification from it. But that doesn't mean that the law is void. Do we make void the law of God through faith? God forbid we what? We establish the law. The Bible says one of the ways we get victory over the strongholds of Satan is casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Strongholds, listen, will not be torn down in your life until you are committed to obeying God. It's the key to a spirit-filled life. It's a key to victory. And yet so many of us, and you be honest with me, so many of us know that there are areas of our life right now in which we are not obeying God. It's a very serious issue. So what if I decide not to obey? I came across this testimony. It's by a man by the name of Dr. Richard Fisher. He is actually on the pastoral staff of Grace Church in Akron, Ohio. And he said this. Listen to me, young people. He said, when I was 10 years old, I remember contemplating a large-scale adolescent rebellion against my father and his leadership in our home. I didn't like the way he was bossing me around. He even thought that he had the right to spank me. The nerve of that man. I thought life would be better if I were in charge. 
That's a 10-year-old speaking. So I got up my courage, and I talked to him about it. I demanded more individual playtime, and I was flatly rejected. He said, Richard, tomorrow I want you to mow the field before I get home from work. The nerve of him. Then I demanded that he allow me to stay up at least to 10 o'clock. But I was already too late. He grinned and almost laughed and said dismissively, Off to bed, young prince. Oh, the nerve of my father. There was just no reasoning with this authoritarian dad of mine. So I decided not to obey him anymore. I ran away. All was well until about 5 o'clock p.m. Then the consequences of my rebellion began to set in. My stomach began to growl. And then I remembered it was Friday night. It was game night at our house. Oh, no. I would miss supper and I would miss game time as well. Disobedience seemed such a good choice just a few hours ago, but the real-life consequences were now setting in. With 2020 hindsight, which such disobedience appeared to me very foolish. What was I thinking? Yet even to this day, even though I am now an adult, I find myself being drawn to that course of action. My eyes still moisten with tears as I think what that meant. My dad actually loved me, always doing what was best for me. His training, his punishment, his rewards, his encouragement, his scolding, and yes, even his spankings were a part of a bigger plan to bring me to maturity. He had invested too much in me to let me go so easily. He sought after me. Ironically, it was in my disobedience that I saw how much my father cared and to what lengths he was willing to go to find me and to restore me back to the family. Amen? This inner struggle between obeying God or not obeying God is a struggle that's spoken about throughout the Word of God. There are so many passages and verses of Scripture that I could bring to you, but I chose this too. So let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I want you to notice verse 12 and 13. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about that inner struggle? Do I obey or do I not obey? Some of you probably had that inner, inner struggle this morning when you got up and you saw it was one degree outside. <laughs> you won that inner struggle and you obeyed God. There was some this morning that didn't though. There was some this morning that just looked outside and they saw the thermometer and they said, no, it's just too cold to try to go to church today. The Bible says in uh, Romans here, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. That's a decision you make. Do I obey or do I not obey? 
that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. So we have to yield the members of our body to carry out that disobedience unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Do I yield or do I not yield? Whomsoever you yield yourself service to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Go over to chapter 7 with me. We're all familiar with chapter 7. I'm not going to read the whole passage here that talks about Paul's inner struggle, but just let me read a couple verses. Verse 18, For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I what? Do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. There's that inner struggle. Now verse 22, verse 23. For I delight in the law of God. The law of God is still in force. For I delight in the law of God after my inward man, my spiritual man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. It wars against your mind. That law of sin which Satan uses so effectively. It wars against your mind. It says to you, go ahead, disobey God. You'll get away with it. Nothing will happen. Don't listen to the preacher. Don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to your teachers. Don't listen to those who are so authoritative. The devil plays with your mind. But I see another law in my members warring, warring against my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. They promise you liberty. You can do your own thing. You can live your own life. But they themselves are the servants of corruption for whom a man is overcome. I can overcome the commandments of God. I don't have to live out the commandments of God. The same are brought into bondage. The bondage of sin. Yes, Satan will war in all of our minds. Trying to get us to discount our obedience to Christ. But we must resist him. Amen? Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. Listen to me. I'm going to get to this next week more. But there's two things that are required for you to be obedient to God. Number one is you've got to love him with all your heart. If you love him, you'll obey him. That's very, very clear. If you love him, you'll obey him. The other thing you have to have is enough faith to believe that God will bless you if you obey him. So there's love and there's faith that goes along with that obedience. So when the devil is playing with your mind, you need to check your love level and your faith level. Don't let him convince you to be disobedient. Take your Bible and turn to the book of James. Oh, how we have so many excuses for our disobedience. James, chapter 1. Preached on this passage before. I'm sure some of you will remember my preaching on it. It's in verse 13 through verse 16. I remember one time preaching a message on this passage that talked about Satan fishes for your soul. He fishes for your soul. 
He's doing the best that he can. Listen to me, church, my dear people. He's doing the very best he can do to convince you to disobey God. No consequences to it because he's trying to destroy you. And here's the, here's the, here's the thing about it. He'll let you get away with it one time or two times or three times or four times before he sets the hook. But I'll guarantee you, one day, he'll set the hook. And I liken this passage of Scripture to when years ago I was fishing with Pastor Dungy, who's now gone to be with the Lord. Pastor Dungy and I used to be fishing buddies. And we were fishing, the bluegills were on the beds. Any of you know anything about fishing? No, I'm talking about those who don't know anything about fishing. Shame on you. But the bluegills were up spawning on the beds and we were pretty close to shore and we were just picking them right off the beds, one right after the other. Actually, we weren't counting how many fish we were catching. We were just throwing them in the bucket. Eventually, the bucket filled up and they were spilling out of the bucket onto the floor of the boat. We didn't even think about counting. You're only allowed 25. And when we got home, we had 150 bluegills. I blame Pastor Dungy for that one. We were catching these bluegills, and there was this one, I mean, it was huge. It actually looked like a piranha. We were that close we could see it. I mean, I wasn't, I was as from here to Isaac away. And uh, we would throw our lines over the bed, and that, that fish would just immediately swim away. And uh, like, this is really a smart fish. And so whenever we throw our line, he'd swim away. Throw our line, swim away. He'd come back, throw our line, swim away. We couldn't catch him. And I had this bright idea. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take a worm and just throw the worm out there. And I threw it, and the worm landed right on the bed, floated down. And, you know, the beds are real clear. You can see them. You can see that worm wiggling, and that fish eventually came back. And he looked at that worm from every angle. He swam around it, swam around it, swam around it, came up to it very cautiously, and then... Sucked it in, then he swam away real quick. Came back, I took another worm. This time he did the same thing, but he didn't take quite as long to decide whether or not he was going to eat it. And so, boom, he grabbed it. Swam away, came back, threw another one in, threw another one in. I did it four or five times. On the last time I threw the worm in, he swirled the water and grabbed the worm before it even hit the bottom. And I'm going... I got him. So I left my bobber off, I left my sinker off, and I just took my line. I mean, that's how close I was. I just took my line and threw it out there, and as soon as my line hit the water, I caught that fish. His lips were completely ripped off. That's why he looked like a piranha. He had no lips. And the only thing I can think is that fish had been caught before, and had, you know, someone had taken him off the hook and ripped his lips off and thrown him back in. Maybe he was just a little guy. So he was very cautious about those worms. But you know what? I let him get away with it. 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 And then I set the hook. This is exactly, this is exactly what the devil does. As you would fish for fish. You know, I, that's why I say, I said, Brother Bussy, he's the biggest devil in the church. <laughs> that boy knows how to, how to fish. He knows how to deceive the fish. He does. I mean, he's the one that taught me how to salmon fish. I would stick right by him, and I would do everything that he would do, and I would fish this hole, and 
I went and catch a salmon out of the hole, and then he'd come through it, and he'd catch three or four out of the same hole I was just fishing in. I disliked him for a long time. But he's a competitor, let me tell you what. Isn't he, Joe? He doesn't want you to outfish him. I mean, he'll, take, he'll, he'll get more fish than you will if he has to stay there all day. I love you, Brother Bussing. But you know, that's exactly how the devil operates in my life and in your life. James tells us here, look at verse 13 through verse 16. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Do not err, my beloved brother. And I call this the six D's of the devil. Listen to him. He plays with our minds. He wars with our minds. Number one is desire. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away in his own lust. There's that desire. He uses our own lust to play with our minds. Fulfill your lust. Then there's deception, number two, and enticed. That's exactly what you do with a lure. You try to entice the fish with the lure. Then there's deliberation. You deliberate over it, just like that fish that deliberated over whether or not he should take my worm. Then when lust is conceived, you deliberate on it. You think about it. Then comes the disobedience. It bringeth forth sin. I'm going to disobey God. To disobey the commandments is sin. Sin is a transgression of the law of God. Then there's the development. And sin when it is finished. Sin will run a terrible course in your life. And then there's the destruction. It bringeth forth what? Death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. This inner struggle between do I obey God or do I not obey God is spoken about throughout the book of Proverbs. And Solomon shows us the progression of what happens when a person decides I'm not going to obey God. It starts out with a person being simple. The Bible uses the word simple. The word simple means naive or ignorant. For someone to say, I'm not going to obey God, is an act of ignorance. Because they don't have the fear of the Lord. They don't fear the consequences of their disobedience. So he starts out with the simple man or the simple woman who is easily enticed with sin. Fourteen times he talks about the simple. I'm not going to read all of them. I just pulled out a selected few. And, and I beheld among the simple ones. A man void of understanding. Simple. And I discerned among the youths. Young people. Why do young people do so many stupid things? Because they're what? They're simple. How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? The simple believeth every word, but a prudent man, a wise man, 
looketh well to his goings. The simple shall inherit folly. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The simple, the naive, will not listen to wise counsel. They'll not listen to the warnings that preachers giving today. They will, they will not listen. But instead, they will listen to the counsel of the fool who lacks discernment. They do not see the consequences of becoming involved in sin. Because if you did, you wouldn't. I always tell young people, I'm sitting with them and I can see this. Are they going to go God's way or are they going to go the devil's way? And I say to them, if I could take your life and I could videotape your life, think about it. If I could videotape your life right now, Malachi, if I could videotape it right now, 20 years in advance. Okay? And if you choose to disobey God or if you choose to obey God, I could videotape both roads. And the Bible does talk about those two roads, right? The road of blessing, the road of cursing, the road of obedience, the road of disobedience, the road of death, the road of life. Even Jesus said there's two roads. One that leads to life and the other that leads to eternal damnation. But if I could videotape your life, son, 20 years in advance. How old are you right now? You're 18, so you'd be 38. If you make it that far. So at the age of 38, you could stop and you could, you know, see what your life would be like if you choose to obey God or not obey God. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could do that? I want to tell you, it would keep every single one of us from going down the wrong road. If you attend the Wednesday night service, remember we just finished up how Satan will blind the unbeliever from being converted, but he'll also blind the believer from obeying God. He'll bring that blindness to us. That's why God's word is light. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. So Solomon says uh, a person begins out with being a simpleton. They're simple. And then the simple becomes a fool. If he continues down that road, he becomes a fool. A fool is one who ignores the wisdom of the just and pursues the advice of the world and becomes involved in sinful practice. That is a fool. The Bible talks about the fool more than anything else. Fifty-four times. Fourteen times he talks about the simple one. But then... Fifty-four times he talks about the fool. It's, it's, it's incredible. He said, forsake the foolish. Forsake the foolish. Don't go the way of the fool. Don't listen to the fool. Forsake the foolish and live and go the way of understanding. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. It is a sport. How many of you like sports? It is a sport to a fool to do mischief. Just he likes it. A fool despiseth his father's instruction and regardeth not reproof. The fool uttereth foolishness. The fool layeth open his folly. A fool despises his father's instruction and regardeth not the law of his mother. He that begetteth a fool doth it to his own sorrow. And a father of a fool hath no joy. 
A foolish son is a grief to his father and a bitterness to the one who bore him. A foolish son is a calamity of his father. A foolish son is a heaviness to his mother. There is a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. A fool uttereth all of his mind. Go from the presence of the foolish man. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. See thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more help for a fool than of him. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. I could go on and on. So you start out with the simpleton, and then he progresses to a fool, and then a fool, Solomon says, progresses into the level of a scorner or a mocker. One who literally scorns the wisdom of God. The Bible said, he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Why? Because a scorner will just throw it right back in your face. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. You all should really be loving me right now. Amen? A wise son heareth a father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A scorner loveth not the one that reproveth him. Neither will he go the way of the wise. A proud and a haughty scorner is his name. He dealeth in pride. The thought of the foolish is sin, and the scorner is an abomination. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. How many have ever seen the deer dead along the side of the road? If you haven't, you haven't driven in Michigan. As those deer lay there on the side of the road, when the ravens or the eagles come, what is the first part of that carcass they go to? The eyes. Remember one time, we used to be so poor, I'd pick up roadkills. It's rehearsal night for my wedding. <laughs> rehearsal is over, I'm headed back to Northland, I'm on my motorcycle, and someone right in front of me hit a deer. They did. And, that, and when they hit it, they hit it in the head. I saw the whole thing. They kept on going. I pulled over, picked up that deer, put it on the back of my motorcycle. I was able to get three hooves in my hand. You know how hard it is to shift a motorcycle without a clutch? And I remember going through the town of Wasaki. Mom and Dad know about Wasaki. 
It has one store and 15 bars. I went through the town of Wasaki. It was late at night. It must have been close to midnight. And these men had come out of the bar. And uh, they're watching me have this deer on the back of my motorcycle. And, uh, yeah, that was the night before I got married. When I asked Dad if I could court Shelley, I gave him a deer. That was my dowry. <laughs> Remember that, Dad? I brought you a deer. And then I said, here's a deer. Can I date your daughter? A scorner. A scorner who does not repent turns into a very wicked person. You have the simple, you have the fool, you have the scorner, and now the scorner enters into the ranks of the wicked. 87 times. Solomon talked about the wicked. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of an evil man. The way of the wicked is darkness. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. The Lord casteth away the substance of the wicked, but the memory of the just will be blessed. Amen? Do I need to keep on going? This is a sad, sad road that many Christians are on. It's a road that some of you have walked. But praise God, he reached down on his grace and forgave you and got you back on the right road. Amen? It's a road that some of you have never walked. I praise the Lord for you. Don't let the devil play with your mind. You say, well, preacher, you know what? I think I'm above all that. Oh, really? Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. He wrote these Proverbs that I've just read. But he himself became a scorner. He became a fool. And he became very wicked. And at the end of his life, he said this. I hated my life. Vanity, vanity. It's all been vanity. And the last words, listen to me, the last words he writes in his diary about his life is, here the conclusion of my whole life. And he particularly is speaking to young people. He said, here the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Some of the wisest counsel you'll ever receive from a man who was so wise but became so simple. 
became so foolish, became a mocker, and entered into the realm of the wicked. The prodigal son, we know the story, right? Decided one day he was not going to obey God. Let me tell you something that got him into a really bad place. Satan, the great deceiver, does not want you to believe that your obedience will be blessed. Nor does he want you to believe that there will be any consequences to your disobedience. As I prepared this message, and by the way, I'm only halfway through. So I'm going to stop. Alyssa saw me this morning taking my pen and crossing out. She said, Dad, there you go again. Matthew was sitting right by her, and he said, yeah, but he still won't finish his message. <laughs> Some carnal children. And I prayed this morning... I prayed, God, help me to convince especially the young people of our church that disobedience does have consequences. Amen. But you know what? As I prayed that prayer, I was like, I can't convince them. I cannot convince you. I can show you testimonies of those who have walked that road and the regret and the sorrow and the brokenness but I can't convince you but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit today to convince you some of you today you've got to stop and you've got to get back on that road of blessing. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.